This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. We want to say hello to Ashley Hay, who um, her latest novel, 100 Small Lessons, um, we just finished. And we're saying hello to you in Australia. Hello. Hi there. How are you, Ashley? We are good. Yes. We we loved a hundred small lessons. It's such a good. Oh, uh, thank you. Such a good book. If you would uh, share, just give us an introduction, a setup of the story. Sure. The book uh, follows the lives of two women, uh, an older woman called Lucy, or called Elsie. Sorry, who mm-hmm. has to move out of her home, as lots of elderly people do these days. And then a younger woman called Lucy who moves into the house after her and it follows their lives through uh, one summer in Brisbane where the house is in Australia, which is also where I am. Um, Lucy kind of coming into the experience of motherhood and Elsie at the other end of her life going out of it. And it's about the intersections and and sort of strange crossovers that um, that they find between themselves. All in the common thing of, of the house and you, and you do... You do think about that, you know, when you've lived someplace in a home for a long time, there is a real, a real sadness about leaving and people leave in different circumstances. And there's always a hope that a a family that loves it as much as your family did will live there. It's weird. Right. I think it's, it's the difference between a house and a home, isn't it? You know, I think, you know, often the way we talk about houses these days is, is very much in terms of, you know, real estate markets and property prices and all those sorts of things. And, and I think part of what I wanted to do was um, was look at how a lot of us do feel about the places that we live, which is there's a much more emotional connection. And there's a sense that maybe maybe the people that were in a home before us, you know, maybe some of their life is can be kind of transmitted to us in a way. It can be kind of pressed into the house and then passed back to us again. It's it's a lot more than um, than just the kind of bricks and mortar stuff, I guess. It, it really is. And, and Holly and I, uh, who's doing the show with me today, instead of Julia, we were talking about how mm-hmm. Elsie Gormley, the woman who leaves her home that she's lived in for more than 60 years, she reminds us both of like our grandmothers. Yes. We feel very, very fondly <laughs> oh, towards her. My goodness, just even in oh. the opening scenes of the book with Elsie, I mean, it really made me empathize with elder members of my family and, and the things that they could possibly be thinking about and going through in their everyday lives, specifically the way that she reflects on things of her past. Mm, thank you for that. That, that really means a lot to me. Look, I, I fell in love with Elsie. I, um, I've written a number of novels now and a number of non-fiction books as well. And, and Elsie and Lucy, the characters in this particular book, I miss them more than any characters I've written before. And I think part of 
what I was hoping the book would do would be allow you to kind of slip into these slip into these other characters' shoes. So, you know, I'm a I'm a forty seven year old woman. I, I don't have Elsie's experience. But it's always struck me, you know, a lot of elderly people now um, they have a fall, they have another fall, suddenly they're being moved out of their home, they've got to go and live in, you know, in some kind of facility or some mm-hmm. kind of aged care place. And I started to think about the fact that for a lot of them, when they leave their home, if they've fallen or if something bad has happened, they don't know that they're leaving for the last time. Mm-hmm. They, they're sort of taken out, there's been an injury or there's been an incident. Right. And often that's it. They don't get to go home in any meaningful way. Right. And I started to think about just how how strange that is and how well how strange that would be for any of us to, to, to go out of our front door, you know, one day, not knowing that we weren't going to be able to go back into it again. And Elsie spends quite a lot of the book um, you know, thinking about how she can get home mm-hmm. and and part of that is just imaginatively part of that is her memories and her memories of her her family life in the house um part of it is just little simple things like you know trying to talk someone into driving doing a drive-by so she can see what's happening to it and then there's the question of whether she's actually whether she's actually trying to walk back there herself and it it seemed to me that if I was another 40 years older than I am and and I had to get out of my place and, and couldn't live here anymore. They're the sorts of things that I, I would be thinking about. I would have that real kind of longing for return, partly just to see the place, but also, you know, with the idea that maybe I would somehow be able to return to that old life. And that's that's part of it as well, I guess, in the, the kind of processes of aging and, and change right. that, that the women are going through. So, yeah, it's it's all pretty common human stuff, I think. It is, mm-hmm. and I think it's also, um, I enjoyed how you tell the two stories of Lucy Kiss and her husband and her son mm. who now live in Elsie's home. And I get the, I mean, I've never had children. Ashley, we're talking to Ashley Hay, her book, 100 Small Lessons. I've had, you know, bonus kids that have come into my life at 11 and 13, but I've never had that motherhood experience. And I was really struck at, you know, and even with Elsie's relationship with her daughter, that Mm. mother about, you know, motherhood isn't for everybody always feels like the happy dance that it's sometimes presented as. Like it's it's going to be the best thing ever and that you'll never have a moment. It's a very realistic (laughs) and sort of a like it made me appreciate moms in a whole other way. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Look, I think it's, you know, my experience of motherhood is it's it's fabulous and and that's great mostly. But of course, some days it's not fabulous or complicated or it's whatever. But I think part of what I wanted to think about was... You know, we understand a lot that, that our experience as mothers is different than the generation before us or the generation before them. We kind of get the generational difference and, and how opportunities and um, expectations have changed. Mm-hmm. But it struck me too that in every generation of women, you know, women are still individuals in there. So it's not just that you would mother in a way that fitted your generation. Right. Also, you would bring to it your own personality, your own desires, your own dreams, your own fears, your own relationships with other people. And all of those things would would sort of would play out in how you then 
came to this idea of mothering. So for Elsie, all she has ever wanted to do is be a mother, and she has twins. She has them quite early as a quite a young woman, mm-hmm. as someone in the 1940s would have. And it, it absolutely defines her. Her daughter, Elaine, follows almost exactly the same pattern of life, has a child at almost exactly the same age. It just isn't really what Elaine wants to do, but she doesn't have the language to... She doesn't have the language to kind of enunciate that or to even say very clearly what it is she would rather do. She kind of gets that conversation together at one stage, but but not in a way that can actually affect change in her life. And probably for a lot of women, not just in the 1960s, but now there would be women who would who would find a lot to relate to with that. Oh, I so think Lucy, so. You know, she's she's an older mother, as lots of women my age are. You know, mm-hmm. we came to it. Much later, we got a long way through our 30s doing doing other things. And so she has this kind of complicated relationship of, of having to manage something she's excited to do, but something that's nonetheless a very big change. And she's doing it also uh, in the context of coming to live in a in new, new city. Town, she's yeah. also moved to... That's right. So mm-hmm. she's moved to a new city as well. And, and I think it, it was a really nice metaphor to work with the idea of you know, I could write about her coming to live in Brisbane, coming to live in a new place, but motherhood is a new place as well. It's kind of, it's another new country that you arrive in, and all of us, <laughs> all of us do that traveling differently. I guess. Yeah, yeah, I, I like how you say that. It, it is that. I'm also just curious about Lucy is fascinated by this idea of imagining her other selves. I don't know how to... Is it a yeah. Finnish word? Vardigars? It's a it's a Finnish word. Vardigar. I think it's Vardigar. I, I, okay. I have actually never heard anyone other than me say it. Say it, so okay. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I think... So the Vardigar is this idea of a um, of a kind of uh, a sort of spirit self that is just ahead of you doing what you will do. So it's not quite a doppelganger, but it's it's like that idea. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I'm interested in in motherhood is, you know, maybe it's partly to do with being a novelist. I have a pretty overactive imagination, but you're constantly you're constantly aware of things that might happen, both great things, but also not so great things. And I started thinking about giving Lucy this sense of herself which is just a little bit ahead of her and, you know, sort of either knows that everything is going to work out okay, knows that, you know, her son isn't going to fall off a step or, right. you know, do something like that. But then I started thinking about all those other little fantasies we have of all the other people we might be if we'd gone to live in a different city, if we'd married a different person, if we'd had kids at a different time or we hadn't had kids at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we all have those kind of private, um, you know, quantum physics fantasies of all the other universes we might be living in and all the other different lives. So Lucy is... Lucy's span of time in the novel is quite short. She's in a very wet summer in Brisbane. We get kind of tropical summers here, so we just get those summers where the rain just goes on. And she's stuck in a very little house with a very small boy um, in this new place. And I thought, well, that's kind of the obvious time when you'd start thinking, hey, what if I'd gone and lived in London? What Mm -hmm. if I'd married that guy I went out with, you Mm -hmm. know, 15 years ago? What if... What if I was some other person? And the Vardiga was like a short-term 
spirit creature that could reassure her about what she was doing. It worked so well. And a long-term one as well. Thank Mm -hmm. you for that. Thank you. I think we all secretly have them. Ashley, we could talk to you all damn day. Now, do you know Nicole Kidman by any chance? Is she going to make your... I'm sorry, I don't. (laughs) Uh, Is she going to... Have any of your books been made into a movie? No, no, they haven't. What about um, the railway man's idea. wife? What about that one? No, I know that would be. Look, I think that would be fantastic, but no, no <laughs> movement on that front. I need, uh, yeah, I need something. I need a Vardiga to kind of go out there and make that happen for me. I you think. do, my yes. gosh. Anyway, well, we, uh, you also have written the body in the clouds. People have liked that book, the mm-hmm. railway man's wife. This book is a hundred yep. small lessons. Uh, we just have to ask you before we let you go and thank you for writing. You're wonderful. What's the last great book you read? Oh, do you know, I'm rereading everything by Michael Ondaatje at the moment. So I've just read his book, Running in the Family, which is wonderful. I read it about 25 years ago, and I I just finished reading it again last night. And it's just this magic family memoir of a crazy, crazy set of people in Sri Lanka. It's it's absolutely wonderful. And he's the, it's from a poem that you got, your title, A Hundred Small Lessons, a Michael Ondaatje poem. That's right. It was from a Michael Ondaatje poem. Yeah, so I'm I'm sort of doing a full, a full Michael Ondaatje immersion at the moment, which is, it's my summer treat to myself here in Australia. Oh, that's um, right. It's, it's pretty yes. fabulous. It's summer. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Ashley. We really appreciate having you with us today to talk about your book. Thank you so much for having me.